Today on Flashpoint's Pulitzer Prize-winning writer Alice Walker reads from her new collection of poetry, Taking the Arrow Out of the Heart. It was a beautiful evening hosted by Nina Serrano. Happened here in the Bay Area. This is a beautiful reading, and I am delighted to share Alice Walker with you. I'm Dennis Bernstein here with Miguel Gavilan Molina and the entire Flashpoint's team, and we will be right back. Stay tuned. And you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein. Well, today is a uh, incredibly special pleasure to be able to share the work with Alice Walker, to share the work that we do in politics, in political actions, and in this case, uh, the share the work of poetry. And I have a whole other life in poetry and it's a a delight to be able to every once in a while uh, do this and bring poetry uh, uh, the poetry of transformation and revolution uh, onto the airwaves. Now um, let me just read you a little bit of Alice Walker's background. Alice Walker is an internationally celebrated writer, poet, and activist whose books include seven novels, four collections of short stories, four children's books, and volumes of essays and poetry. She won the Pulitzer Prize in Fiction in 1983 and the National Book Award. Uh, She has written many bestsellers, uh, The Temple of My Familiar, that's a wisdom tale that originates in prehistory by the light of my father's smile, sexuality and forgiveness as paths of healing, processing secret, uh, uh, the secret of joy, which explores the effects of female genital mutilation on the woman's psyche as well as her body. There there are so many things. Her novels uh, are amazing. She is the author of seven collections, volumes of poetry. She's an amazing human being. A writer, a poet, a visionary, and uh, we get to work with her here at KPFA Pacifica uh, Radio. And, well, there's uh, another story for me and Alice Walker. Uh, Yes, Dennis, and and I I wanted to ask you about that. It's uh, kind of, you know, amazingly surprising for me. Uh, But also, you, you go back decades with Alice. I mean, I, I know somewhere in the East Coast in the Big Apple, uh, you had your first coming together, and, and you shared that with me. I, I think it's so incredibly beautiful if you were to share that with us and the audience, our supporters today. Well, I, you know, it really started because what I learned a little bit later, but really what binds us together is we shared the same poetry teacher in the great Muriel Rukeyser. Right. Uh, Muriel Rukeyser, visionary poet, uh, activist, uh, biographer, journalist, uh, covered in an extraordinary way the Republicans trying to take on uh, Franco and the defeating of the Republicans and the slaughters and reported uh, on the Scottsboro trials and reported on the violence against coal miners in West Virginia. An extraordinary human being um, 
And I had a chance to study with her. And during one of my study periods, she Muriel Rukeyser had a stroke. And she had to stop teaching. Uh, and she worked her way back to health and be uh, became strong again. And once she came back to health, I, I wanted to do something for Muriel because she had done so much for so many people, for so many writers. Uh, so I started what was called the Muriel Rukeyser reading series. I talked to Muriel about it. I wanted to uh, have, it a, have a reading series in Brooklyn that really was near the people that people could participate in. And I told Muriel about it, and she was excited, and she allowed us to use her name, and she wrote a beautiful introduction. And I, in one of the letters, in the back and forth between Muriel, she said, by the way, my friend Alice Walker lives around the corner from you there in Park Slope. I, I would really like it if you would invite her to the reading series. So uh, <laughs> that was my introduction to Alice Walker. She lived around the corner. She um, agreed to be in the reading series. It was when, oh, perhaps after her second uh book of poetry, one book of prose, one book of poetry, uh, in beginning an extraordinary life, uh, and really um, being able to share this work with us. And this reading series that I did, here's, this is the beginning of my radio career, which I realized I, I just did an archival search, and I pulled <laughs> the, right. uh, the first reading that I did with Alice Walker, we read the same night. I read some poetry my kids were writing. I was teaching emotionally disturbed kids. And she did this beautiful reading. And a radio station called WBAI Pacifica heard about the reading series. They came down. Uh, they were there for the Alice Walker. For Also, we had Audrey Lord. We had Quincy Troop. Uh, we had Grace Paley. We had an amazing group of writers there. So WBAI came down to the Second Story Bookstore there in Park Slope and invited us to make it the Muriel Rukeyser of the Air reading series to committed uh, and political writers and poets of our time. That was my first radio show. Now, I Googled it. I dug it up, Miguel. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm not making this up. And it was and in the archives. We're in, it's in the archives, in the Pacifica Radio archives. Uh, I did it, I think, Mike, it was 1978. Is that right? I did this reading 40 years ago <laughs> with Alice Walker in 1978. So I want, I hope uh, that you will appreciate I'm going to play a few minutes uh, of that reading. Uh, that was my first broadcast also on WBAI, now in the Pacifica Radio archives. So let's. Um, oh, and I have to tell you that uh, one thing happened the night of the reading. It was a beautiful, packed, right, uh, right, packed reading. Um, I read the kids' poems, and then she read, and it was just so beautiful. There was questions and answers, and and all that kind of stuff, and everything went well. And later on that night, the reading ended about nine thirty. I got a call from Alice at about eleven o'clock. <laughs> And Alice said, Dennis, you have to meet me at the bookstore. It's urgent. Could you please go there now? So I figured, well, wow, I must have really made an impression on 
Alice Walker. And I said, I went running over there to the bookstore. I wanted to, whatever she needed. I was certainly available. And she said, she starts pointing inside the bookstore. She says, my pocketbook. My pocketbook is, it's down there. Can I get it? So we opened up the door. She grabbed her pocketbook and ran. <laughs> uh, anyway, listen to this. This is, uh, this is uh, from that reading. Uh, I think it starts with my 40-year-old voice. I mean, my very young voice. Listen to this. You will next listen to the poet and novelist Alice Walker reading a selection of her own poetry. The reading originally took place at the Park Slope Poetry Project as a part of the Rukeyser Reading Series, a series dedicated to the life and the work of the poet Muriel Rukeyser. Miss Walker, a former student of Miss Rukeyser, is the author of two novels, Third Life of Grange, Copeland, and Meridian, and two collections of poetry, Once and Revolutionary Petunias, published by Harcourt Brace. <laughs> I want to read you some poems from the new book um, first, and then I'll read some from the other two. This new book is called um, Good Night, Willie Lee, I'll See You in the Morning. And it is what my mother said to my father as he was lying in his casket uh, in the church, and all the relatives were fainting and crying and carrying on and my mother said this with such civility that I was impressed. She just stood there and looked at him and said, Good night, Willie Lee. I'll see you in the morning. This first poem is called, Did This Happen to Your Mother? Did Your Sister Throw Up a Lot? Did this happen to your mother? Did your sister throw up a lot? I love a man who is not worth my love. Did this happen to your mother? Did your grandmother wake up for no good reason in the middle of the night? I thought love could be controlled. It cannot. Only behavior can be controlled. By biting your tongue purple rather than speak. Mauling your lips. Rubbing your eyebrows off against the sheets. Bandaging your fingers too awkwardly to be able to phone. Love has made me sick. Did your sister throw up a lot? Did your cousin complain of a painful knot in her back? Did your aunt always seem to have something else troubling her mind? I thought love would adapt itself to my needs. But needs grow too fast. They come up like weeds through cracks in the conversation, through silences in the dark, through everything you thought was concrete. Such needful love has to be chopped out or forced to wilt back, poisoned by disapproval from its own soil. This is bad news for the conservationist. My hand shakes before this killing. My stomach sits jumpy in my chest. My chest is the Grand Canyon sprawled empty over the world. Whoever he is, he is not worth all this. Don't you agree? And I will never unclench my teeth long enough to tell him so. 
There are many things about that poem that I don't like, but there are a few that I do like. This is called Gift, and it's from the same somewhat turbulent era. He said, Here is my soul. I did not want his soul, but I am a southerner and very polite. <laughs> I took it lightly as it was offered, but did not chain it down. I loved it and tended it. I would hand it back as good as new. He said, how dare you want my soul? Give it back. How greedy you are. It's a trait I had noticed before. I said, but your soul never left you. It was only a heavy thought from your childhood passed to me for safekeeping. But he never believed me. Until the end, he called me possessive and held his soul so tightly it shrunk to fit his hand. <laughs> this is called At First, and it's about the seduction of suffering. Suffering is really just one of the great seductions. At first, she did not fight it. She loved the suffering. It was being alive. She felt her heart pump the blood that splashed her insides with red flowers. She felt her sex gain intelligence about distance and foreign objects. She felt her loneliness stroked by her own hand and sipped her tears like sweet wine. She did not know her life was being shredded by an expert. It was her mother who saved her, who said in a high post-midlife crisis accent, you are my child, my shining star. I already did your suffering for you, or so I thought. And uh, that...